this episode. It's going to be, gonna be, it's gonna a, be long. a long ass episode. Yeah, what time do you have? Two hit? hours. Hey, this is Johnny Glenn. This is my golden hour. Smooth. Smooth. Hey. Hey. No, not scratch that one. Nope. I told you. We start, we just keep it rolling, bro. <laughs> podcast a podcast is that people it's completely transparent yeah and so that's probably one thing i want to talk to you about <coughs> at some point but like when i was doing all film stuff and mind you i obsess over shit so i was like very nervous about i'm like about image i'm like damn like i kind of have a resume with like s- successful like kind of in film at least for our age is this gonna be weird like kind of turned into like this media guy but but i started to realize i'm like damn bro i think being completely transparent with people transcends more than than trying really hard at art would you agree yeah and a lot of art is not just art it's business so but like with any good business like i guess the more people know not the more people know but the more honest you are the better you know for sure. I think transparency is so key to everything, bro. Honestly. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Love, life, everything. Yeah, but also just be like... <clears throat> I think being sh- completely straightforward about your intentions, especially in the field that you're in, as myself, entertainment sector, like, there's a reason that people think, like, promoters are shady or artists have ego. It's because these people aren't fully straightforward about what they want. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you have proper introduction. So listen, normally, actually, I'm not going to say normally anymore because the guests have just started to range totally. But we got a Boston rock star in the building, man. <laughs> That's a great title. There's some great rock bands came out of Boston, they but I, but I would call it pop rock. Would you concur? Yeah, I would. I would say my voice leans to rock, but the the songs are pop. <laughs> like white lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is my guy Johnny Glenn. Uh, he had a, I met, it's actually a very funny story. So I was throwing a launch party this summer for the concert we were throwing at the Middle East and we, were you there the day we shot the commercial? Was that where the yeah, day you were there? Yeah, it was the day you were doing promo and we thought you were like breaking in or something. Oh, a word. And, and we were like shooting like a thing at the bar, right? Yeah. Did you ever end up seeing it? No, it's, a, it's actually a pretty classic, bro. No bullshit. It's like hilarious. I had like my my boy who was like the bartender, right? <laughs> he was like, "You guys need to throw a lodge party," but we uh, <laughs> I met Johnny at town, and it was a bar now defunct, correct? Yeah, n- no more. Yeah, I, he he was working, and 
I'm going to keep it a buck, bro. I thought you were like 36 the first time I met you. No bullshit. And he was like working out of town. He was like, he's like, yeah, what are you guys doing? I was like, oh, well, uh, I got a big show at the Middle East um, coming up, and we want to throw a launch party for it. Ended up being probably one of the worst business execution I've ever done. But he was like, oh, he was like, dude, crazy enough, man. I've played at the Middle East. I've, I've played at Royale, blah, blah, blah. And this is like the first time I'm really like kind of starting to understand Boston music. I was like, damn, there's a lot of characters in this scene. And so, <laughs> so crazy enough, I, I probably looked you up on IG some shit. Um, later, this is the next time I saw you at the studio. I was like, damn, bro, I definitely know you. Well, no, I saw you at the actual event again. Oh, you worked the event? No, but I, I was I didn't work the event, but I was downstairs. I was downstairs, but I came up and I saw you again, and then yeah, then I saw you here. It's fate. Yeah, it m- might be. So, <laughs> when, when did you start touching down a Phoenix down? So I heard about John through this social influencer from BU, um, who what? I got linked with, like an Instagram guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, his name is Sam Thompson. Um, Yo, I just met Sam yesterday. Really? Were you at that meetup thing on the lake or whatever it was? Uh, I met, he was at, it was after, he was at Starbucks. I was like, damn, I'm definitely going to link you with this kid because he's right up your alley. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he went to be, yeah, he said he was going to be you, and you were probably both <laughs> students, right? Yeah, so, um, I've seen Sam, like, for a period of, like, three months. Not, like, seeing, but. Familiarized. I was involved with this gentleman. Smart um, kid, very smart kid. He's very smart. Um, but I was just asking him if if he knew anything I could be doing, and uh, he said that he he ended up here with who he told me initially was G Easy, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I did my research and I saw that G Easy was actually G O D. Oh 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 yeah. But you know, Sam's not. Sam Sam is very smart. He's not but rap he's not, cultured. He's not, he's not cultured like that. Yeah, <laughs> apparently he's a he's a business guy. Yeah. He's a business guy, um, but he was telling me, "Yeah, you got it. That guy's over there is amazing, John." So I, I reached out on Facebook, I think, like over the summer. And it took you like ten tries to get a hold of him. <laughs> yeah, always. And he spread like crazy thin, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, he is. And so, so the first time you touched, you had a session here in like August. Um, probably around then. I think July, August. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think Sam and I were kind of like talking more frequently around like between June and August or so sometime around there, over summer. So do you think the music's better in the summer? Your music? Does it change seasonally? My music? Yeah. Uh, Maybe, I mean, there's three singles up right now. I would say two or the three of them probably work better in the summer. Well, or for the vibe, but I, but I mean on a recording, recording wise, like, do you think it's a year round thing or are there shifts in sound? You know what, I'm what do you mean? I mean, artists are traditionally, from what I can tell, are very in tune with themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think your sound shifts based on the season and based on the temperature and the climate? <laughs> no. Okay. Good. I, th- I think I'm consistent regardless of what mother nature is doing, but, uh, is there shit you'd rather? So, for instance, <laughs> I, I see like Drake will do like a ton of dance hall stuff, right? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm sure he records that in the summer. I know in Views he segmented his album that there was an interlude. There's 
the first part he said we recorded this all in Toronto and it was cold as shit. And then there was an interlude in the second half. He's like, we recorded all of this in L.A. Mm. And the songs were much more vibrant, less rappy, more poppy. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Just <laughs> I'm I'm not a I'm not a sad boy, but I'm pretty in touch with my feelings. I'd say that kind of comes through in a lot of the songs. At least not that's out right now, but what I've been writing. Um, so I, but I try to you know that kind of comes out naturally the the heartfelt stuff. So I I kind of have to keep a focus to keep it more upbeat. But I mean that doesn't really depend on the season that's just kind of my a general mentality like keep stuff up and trying to keep people move but whether that's summer or five degrees you want to keep people moving absolutely i know but but at a certain point like your environment affects you and everything you do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i think the winter in boston is great time to plan Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and then comes spring, which hibernation, is, which as we we had met about and talked about, spring and summer, and even actually I think fall is the best time for it. The blossom, time to execute. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Um, which is what's happening now. Which is you're planning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you've heard you've heard this some new songs, so. Um. Uh, yeah. Wait. So is that is that white lightning song? That's a go, right? Sh- shining, shining like a diamond. I see, I see people watching. Um, White lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's a go. Word. That's a whoa. It's a, it's a go. Whoa, whoa. That's whoa. what it's called. Whoa. Is that what it's called? Whoa. How do you spell whoa? W o a h. My guy. Period. I. That was. Cap a, it. That was a little stick of mine for a while. I'd say whoa or whoa. Dude, not, everyone says it, but it's never been a hit song. Well, there's a dance called the whoa. There is. I mean, there's never been a hit song. My knowledge is not that vast, but... In pop. Potentially. So what's interesting to me, how... First off, when did you come to the city? I mean, I, I kind of know, mm. but just elaborate, you know, give a little synopsis of... Um, so, I'm from South Carolina. Um, Where, specifically? Charleston. In the, like, in Charleston or a suburb outside? Uh, so, Charleston's... Boston's very similar to Boston, and it's like a coastal city. Um, but the suburbs here in Boston are like very far away, and then you have to drive like forty-five minutes. The suburbs in Charleston are basically five minutes, ten minutes from downtown, so it's it's very condensed. The, 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 the downtown's sub- very small. The downtown, the downtown is small, mm-hmm. and the suburbs are very close. So it's just it's a little bit different, but um. Yeah, I grew up there. My whole life I played soccer. Um uh, was in and out of music stuff. Uh or I mean, music was a constant, but I was in and out of chorus, singing, drums, piano lessons. Um so those were the two kind of like extracurricular constants and then I um was a nerd. So basically my I did that. What were you were uh, like a psychotic student? Yeah. So, um so <clears throat> a psycho so what type of psycho what what kind of demographic was your town like is it were you like <laughs> white white suburb type shit uh so i mean charleston is very affluent 50 50 oh is it yeah um it's not it's very white and black it's not really spanish asian i mean there, there's definitely hispanic people as well um but I mean, maybe just being in the South, it it seemed as if it, that were kind of the focus. 
a 50-50. But, I mean, it is there's a, obviously it is a it's Confederate state. <laughs> it is a Confederate state. That it is. Why do you think I'm here? Um, so, yeah. is, but so was it, you grew up in like a nice town type shit? Yeah, I mean, it was nice enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just me and my mom, so kind of humble well, yeah, beginnings. I, but I grew up with a single mom too, bro. Same shit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, nice enough. No siblings? No siblings. Damn, only child. All you guys always end up tapped. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I linked you. Bro, you and Adam. So for those watching, all the PC kids that will listen to this, Johnny is like the BU version of an Adam Hanna, except <laughs> you're like a foot and six inches taller than him. <laughs> because he, did, he had a, did a lot of the same shit you did, and especially being like a pop rock artist in the city. Mm-hmm. I don't know of anyone else besides you two. You know what I'm saying? We'll get to that in a little bit, but you... So you're in South Carolina, right? You're just a psychotic student doing a bunch of shit. Yeah. So then why do you choose to be go the corporate slave path? Uh, so I, I didn't choose that, actually. Um, that life chose me. Uh, I wanted to... life, bro. I wanted to get out of South Carolina. Uh, and I could have really gone to any school, I think. But for some reason, my well, mom... Oh, you were that good of a student? Yeah, yeah, I think I could have gone to Ivy's. But I didn't even apply, though, because... Bread. Well, no, not, not bread. I was willing to dish dish the bread but and butter the bread. But my mom lived in Situate for, like, a t- couple years in her childhood. How old, you, how old is your mom? 57. Wow. All right, we'll talk about something after this. She turned 57 this year. Some yeah. of my other business ventures... Which it's gonna end up being exposed in the same way how I make most of my money, but I my business partner is heavy in situate, so they probably know each other. Really? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, she was like four, so where they probably know each other. <laughs> <laughs> they were in daycare together. Yeah. They shared diapers. Uh, but anyways, my mom brought me up to Boston just to look at schools. And just kind of get my brain outside of South Carolina. And I went to a BU soccer camp. And, like, for some reason, I fell in love with having Boston plastered across my chest. And I made it my mission to come here, to BU. And uh, I made it happen. Where was the BU? Was that that field right off the highway? Yeah, Nickerson. Nickerson, right. Nickerson. You know, the coach, you know. Oh, so some cool shit for you being from South Carolina. Like, yeah, I'm going to go up to Boston. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I'm gonna go to Boston. I'm gonna have Boston on my chest. I don't, you know, I'm done with, done with the South. Why do you? Why did you hate its guts so much? The South? Yeah, I didn't. But, you know, I knew for what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to do music, no matter like the, the path. No matter, my brain, my, soccer or whatever. Music was kind of the way, and, yeah, you know, I knew that wasn't gonna happen playing you know, bars in Charleston, which I had been doing since I was, like, 14, 15 years old. Well, you, couldn't you have gone to Nashville? That's kind of close, right? Could have gone to Nashville, but I'm not I'm not a country guy at heart. But the music scene in, is ten- diverse. in Tennessee is, like, kind of popping, right? Memphis, Nashville. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is more diverse now than just country, but it's it's predominantly country. And also, the Southern mentality, I love the South, but a lot of people like to stay there. They're born there, they stay there, they have kids there, they die there. It's Boston too though. You know that, right? Yeah. But But it wasn't you. Right. I I could use Boston as a stepping stone to something else. 
Uh, I knew that there was a lot of college uh, populace here. Ton. Ton, obviously. Berkeley is here. Mm-hmm. Almost Harvard. Like Harvard. At MIT. BC. Oh. BU. Northeastern. Fisher College. <laughs> Don't forget Bay, Bay State College. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Bay State actually has a great Bates. audio. En- they have a great audio engineer program. Yeah. The kid, there's a producer. His name's T. Wayne, the kid. He's been here. He's been up here a couple times. Twain. Do you know? Are you Twain? familiar? Does he go by Twain? Uh, uh, I don't know. That's how his Instagram stylized. Uh, Twain. 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 He's a good, good kid. Twain. But, but yeah, he was saying the same thing. So, so you... so But the story... Uh, continue, sorry, yeah. So... Anyways, I, I came up to the school. I was going to apply to Berkeley, actually, but the more I thought about it, the more I didn't want a music degree. And I knew, for some reason, again, I fell in love with, bo- like, I knew I could play soccer at BU and leverage that to expand me as a man. Oh, you were that nice? I'm a pretty nice kid. No, I mean, you were nice. <laughs> oh, you were on the BU soccer team? Yeah. Damn, really? Yeah. Wow. So D1, right? Yeah. Damn, so you were kind of like a high school fucking yeah, but, I mean, that do it all. Yeah, but then you get to the school and you're like, oh shit, there's like people that are actual soccer players that make me look like shit. Even though I was running over kids in South Carolina, <laughs> I came up here and who, who I you, was the who youngest you person play? on the team. Uh, played hard, like we were Patriot League, so we played like Colgate, Bucknell, Lafa- Bucknell, Lafayette. Yeah, we played Harvard. Who else? Played UConn, who was like top ten at the time. I actually, what was weird, I um. I was going to go to Clemson, who I think within the past five years, I don't know if they won a national championship, but if they they were definitely like within the semifinals or the championship of the tournament multiple years in a row, they've been top 10 for like the past five, six years. And I went to Clemson soccer camp, fell in love with their coach. He used to come, we talk all the time and, uh, or they're, I'm sure they're big. Yeah, they're, they're big. And, uh, I was going to go there, but something happened with his family that he had to step down from like being the the head assistant coach. And he became the head coach of this other school in South Carolina called An- Anderson. That's what it was. It's very small. Small school, yeah. And it was D2. But I went and visited him. I I was going to go to Clemson. I didn't want to go to Clemson, but I I was locked on him. Mm-hmm. He was just a great person. His name's John Murphy. You guys meshed. We meshed. And anyways, he became the head coach there. But I could not see myself going to school on like a 1950s fairground. So I ditched the Clemson, the South Carolina idea, came to BU. And then he's actually from, uh, what's that city called? North, East, Southwest. I think North. Lowell. Quincy. That is not North. That is South. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's from Quincy. And he came back up after a year or two at Anderson. He became the associate head coach at BC. Oh, so you've seen him since. So it was really weird. While I was freshman and sophomore at BU games, I would see him. And it became, you know, it was going to be him and I at Clemson. We split our separate ways. And then we became connected. We became enemies. Yeah, I mean the BUBC rivals D. Yeah, so th- I thought that was really weird. And then and he ended up back in Georgia. Now he was only in BC for like two or three years, but he definitely 
he put in a good word for me to get into BU. But anyways, so back to the story of music. I came to BU, and, you know, I was the youngest person on the team. Started working my ass off. Only freshman? Yeah, 17. I mean, there's like 26-year-olds. On oh, grad students and shit. Grad students. Yeah. And then the foreign kids come at age 21. Oh, really? As freshmen. So, and then they get a redshirt year. By the time they're seniors, they're 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. A senior. <laughs> a lot of seniors that are normal age are like 20, 21. So, there's just kind of a weird dynamic. Were you, all, were you always a big dude, though? Yeah. yeah. So, it was fun. Like, all these old kids would get pissed off because, like, a 17-year-old is marking them and, like, and, and stealing the ball from them. It was pretty funny. And you were a physical specimen. Not, when, did, I f- you, not when I first got here. Did you play here. stopper? I played so, – so, my whole life I played up top, but then here I played – uh, center back. So that'd be Def- was it center back defense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Was it a diamond formation yeah. in the back? Uh, f- flat, had, had, flat. Oh, flat four, right? Yeah, Where? four, four, two, four, four, two, or three, five, two. Switch it up. Three, five, two is a lot of pressure on the center back, though. If you mess up, you're screwed. Yeah, you're fucked. But it <laughs> anyways, I got hurt my freshman year, and even though I was playing and like I was about to start by my sophomore year, I got hurt. And would you hurt my foot? I I broke um, a bone in my foot my freshman year. Then after recovery, another bone was broken. I had to get surgery. So I was out. I was on a scooter and a boot for almost a year. Whack. Yeah. I was the nerd going down the bike lane. and uh, On Calm Ave? Yeah, Calm Ave. Holy shit. That must have been miserable. On a scooter. Ugh. You know those in, scooters in the, was where it you... In the winter? Yeah. Ugh. Well, fall through... The rest of the year. Dude, when BU clears out, like, in between their, like, class shifts, it is packed <laughs> on Calm Ave. Like, it, <laughs> like, for miles. Dude, everyone's just, like, pointing and laughing at me. You're just, you're just eating shit. Well, in one hand, actually, I had to be, like... You st- yeah, you steered it. And then in the dining hall, I'd be, like, rolling around Where with, a, with a plate and my leg on the scooter. And Where's the dining hall? In, it's in by uh, Nickerson. Okay. Where? Yeah. By T's. Our cheese pub. Nice. Shout out Tease Pub. Shout out Tease Pub. Crazy story. You were almost my employer for a little bit, but <laughs> now I'm here, man. <laughs> Crazy shit. So freshman year, I got hurt. And I was I hadn't been doing music as much because I'd just been focused on school and soccer. And I was like, you know what? Even though I'm playing, I really miss performing. And so sophomore year I it was like a sign from God. I swear, you know, I got hurt, and then I put up signs at Berkeley, found a band. Then I, I thought I was gonna play soccer again. I start running while I'm a sophomore, and I'm like something is still, f- f- like fucked up, and I g- was not better. Another broken bone. Then I had to get surgery. So I was like, you know, what? I'm done with this. And you just didn't care about soccer enough to. Pers- yeah, and like I was persist. done with the done with the pain and. We're just being practical, like, my whole life, I've just wanted to perform, so I might as well... Time to sack up. Yeah, so I, I had my band at Berkeley sophomore year, even though while I was hurt, and um, so I started playing a bunch of shows, and the rest is kind of history. Uh, so you started, you started performing at Berkeley first? Well, I, I, I put up signs at Berkeley. I thought I was this badass, like, sneaking in. Apparently... 
the security at Berkeley, oh, it is now that I've been there basically for three, four years, but the security at Berkeley is a joke. But when I first went there, I thought I was a hardo. Like, what were you seeing in academic buildings and shit? What? You were like going into in and out of academic buildings. Yeah, like putting up bulletin, like on bulletin oh, yeah. boards. And I thought I was like a badass. But yeah. Looking back, that probably wasn't the most effective marketing. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably should have said the DM, bro. I, I found a guitarist. But Word. <laughs> yeah. Social media was not my strong suit back then. Please. Nor is it now. Who knows, man? Who I don't knows? even know if it's I mine. Know. I just do it a lot. Yeah. I don't know. So, so what, you start gigging with some dudes in the city? Yeah. Where? Uh, so that was more like school oriented stuff. Northeastern BU. Uh, we did what at like events on campus. Mm-hmm. Word. And the band was called Spoonface. Shout out Spoonface. <laughs> Spoonface. You still you still link with those dudes? No, actually, one one move he dropped out. Of course. Like everyone at Berkeley. The drummer, I think. Got into like a little of the yippity, <laughs> little of the yip, and my roommate. Well, the guitarist became my best friend, but then he became my roommate, and now he's no longer in Boston. So y- you can understand how that went. So typical, tip- tough falling out. Typical sitch, but um, yeah, through through those first three guys, you know, I was able to meet a network of two hundred people. So Berkeley basically became my livelihood while I went to school and I I switched from pre-med to finance because I knew I could just like finance it would be I didn't have to actually study for finance you know you can't go through pre-med without studying yeah which I found out I had like (laughs) like I, I had a C for like my first time in my life in biology my freshman year and I was like what am I doing I don't want to do this so so then I coasted on my scooter into the business school. Yeah. Showed him how we rolled. Important, though. I Sh- mean... Show I, him how you roll. What? I think me being in a business school, too, like, you just kind of learn the type of people who... who Business is... It's very interesting. Because I'm really good at it. And, like, I never really <laughs> thought I'd be good at it. But it's just a... Very humble. I'm very good at it. I to be honest, bro. But it, but the thing is, it was never my mission to be good at it. Yeah, it's just business is just all psychology, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's all talking to people. Yeah, like, I mean, you got to know your numbers somewhat. But if you can talk to someone, that's all it is. Yeah, literally, it's just an exchange more than anything. Yeah. So, you're at school, right? Right. You hate school's guts. You're performing. Mm-hmm. Are these big shows? The f- sophomore year, no. And then I I rebranded to be Johnny Glenn, not Spoonface, and I realized I could sell me. Fuck Spoonface. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I realized. Yeah, you want to do know. your own thing. I feel you. Yeah. You know, you know how it goes. Not really, but we'll keep it moving. Yeah. So. But I was still playing with the same guys or same guitarists, and then I found a whole new band, and uh, became Johnny Glenn and started playing big shows. Okay, so yeah, slow down though. So you are you brand yourself at what point? So the crowds that were coming over were all Berkeley kids or a lot of BU kids? Mm, so at the beginning actually it wasn't So there was Spoonface through sophomore year. June first half of like me as a junior was 
so I, I also taught myself guitar in high school and the first half was kind of me writing mm-hmm. and like figuring out the sound that I thought I wanted at the time which was more pop than the rock stuff that I'd been doing and um I think so like sec- the first half of junior year I was playing uh writing but playing like open mics and stuff and then second half junior year I started just kind of anything you could do yeah second half junior year I started hitting like attacking sororities and that's how I started to build the following like for real and um I would go to sorority meetings so I'd walk into a room of like 100 to 200 girls and play like, guitar once a week and just play the guitar play three songs and be like everyone like my page <laughs> and um that's that hustle yeah I knew it about Johnny when I first met him <laughs> so <You're a> hustler <laughs> white boy hustlers oh. unite <laughs> Unite and ignite. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it really. From that point, like that point on, people at BU because girls talk. Oh, for sure. So and if you get girls to your show, dudes are gonna come. Exactly. And if you get girls to your show, more girls are gonna come. So, unless the school is extremely clicky, which uh, BU kind of is. So. Uh, it, in, in relation, not really. <laughs> BU is the most insane school of all time. What? Mind you, I, I, uh, I have access to a building over there. Sometimes I go. Which one? I don't want to say too much about it because it's a hideout. <laughs> but I, I, there's a loophole at BU that I have access to, and um, <laughs> what is? Bro, it's there's no. I've never seen a school more diverse in my life. Oh yeah, no, it's crazy. Ton of Asian people, ton of Indian people, ton of Spanish people, ton of white dude, people. Dude, and I coming from where I'm from, I love that. You know, you, like, pro- you probably yeah. Dude, sick. my classes were eighty percent Asian, which I love. You know, in finance. Yeah. Wow. Maybe not eighty, but between sixty and eighty. Yeah, there's a huge Asian population, but there's also a ton of white kids. There, yeah. there's a sector of the school which I think you probably say more on it. Sector of the school that is kind of like traditional college, like frat sororities. Yeah, for sure. And then you're also in Boston. Yeah, so you don't have to take part in that, which I liked. Yeah. There's always something to do that wasn't that. No, you were never into it. Yeah, I wasn't in a frat. Yeah. Look at me. You should do do a music frat. That would have been hard, (laughs) bro. Legacy. And I don't know. It was just a very interesting school. I visited there when when I was trying to go to school. I'll introduce you to my buddy KPT, but we... Mind you, I'm my dad lives in Cambridge, so I wasn't too far. It was literally on the most brick day. It was so cold, freezing, and they were like, "Yep, yeah, you're gonna need a median GPA of about three point seven." I was like, "I will see you later." Yeah. Oh really? Well, I don't even remember. Well, you were finessing with great grades. Yeah. I was not. That's okay. Except I did have roughly, I believe, a twenty-one fifty on my SATs. That's better than I was, so. But I got extra time. Because oh. I'm off the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're at BU, right? You're a good guy, and you're throwing shows. Mm-hmm. You're self-promoting shows. Well, not yet. So, junior year still, I um. In in, in, in your honest opinion, you had a buzz on on campus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which was good. Sick. You know, I people, you know, they knew what I. I was just walking, which I liked. Hard. Uh, same shit with me at college. Yeah. Bro. Same shit. Yeah, they knew what I was about without having to ask my name and asking what I did. So I, that was good. And 
that was without like a big social media push too. So just word of mouth and well, word of mouth and, uh, you know, one person talks to 10, the 10, you know, how it spreads. But we also did this. That's the most effective. Yeah. We also did this thing called Laundry Lounge Mondays. Um, this girl who was working with me, her name's Jamie. She's great. She uh, shout out Jamie. She's now, she, or she was working at Epic Records, and now she's she's just started her independent uh, digital marketing firm. Oh, sure. but um, link me. I'd love to. She uh, she had this idea, and she would film me, which was awesome. And it was just because she believed in the vision. But we did Laundry Lounge Mondays, so every week we do a cover in the laundry room. So that started to spread too around campus and like we would show up in each of the different dorms and she would just film me singing for like a minute and we post it and uh people literally come up and be like you do you're the dude from the laundry room fire so yeah but he's a big campus too yeah so but it was good because there's you know seven or eight different dorm or like dorms yeah with a laundry room so we did that and that oh you cycled Different laundry rooms. Yeah, yeah, we would go around to different campuses, cycling within the laundry rooms. Get it? That's crazy, bro. See, it's I, a nice parallelism. So how this started? Like, I was the same way, bro. At PC, I would literally go in every dorm and sell T-shirts. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a great place to try to start a business, bro. It is, especially if you're a good dude. Yeah, no, if you're likable, it's it's easy, or not easy, but easier. And so, did you at the end of this, uh, or at the apex? of this college push. Mm-hmm. Did you throw a big show, a, a Johnny Glenn show? Yeah, so kind of, I guess, so end of junior year, Jamie Jamie graduated, she left, so I was kind of by myself again. Uh, I had a, they had this music business club um, that was helping me too. Um, but I, it was mainly me getting the shows. They just, they helped with um, social media and kind of getting my name out there a little bit, which I'm thankful for. So if the team ever watches this, Appreciate the push. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the push, even though I don't think they thought that I appreciated it. But uh, oh wow, were you on some ego shit? No, but there was just kind of by the end of my like my senior year, it's like I have to split ways with you. You know, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I got to do this on my own. So, and obviously, you know, it's a cl- it's a club thing. You can't can't pay people. You can't you know keep them around. Mm-hmm. If and naturally, it's just a split. But I think some people kind of took that a little more personally than others but such is life but back to um kind of the main story and then i'll i guess we can touch on like the big shows um my whole life in chorus it was the weirdest thing i i used to be so nervous when i would perform and this was through like childhood through middle school and you know i would be in the risers flush red sweating unable to sing but like in practice teachers would always say you have such a good voice and but for some reason when I was actually performing it just never aligned with any of the work I was putting in just because I'm, I'm I was nuts I still am nuts you're introverted I think like naturally even though getting I've gotten better but in eighth grade it's, it's a force for you I mean you we're familiar like we've met a couple times already, so like it's probably easier. But is it a when you first approach somebody, is there still a little bit of tension in you? Not not now, but there definitely was mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. I think that's a a reflection of the age we're at, bro. Yeah. I feel like you realize like 
I said this in another one, but it's like you're 22, 23, 24. It's like, <coughs> yo, there are things about myself that probably just are never going to change, man. So yeah. I might as well just sack up and just accept, accept it. it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. You you know you're fucking tapped, right? Yeah. Me too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rather know I'm crazy than actually have a big breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, we should just go to therapy together. You know? No, we should start giving therapy. Yes. Yeah, you take off the top end. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> make a profit. <laughs> yeah. Sit him right there. I like, I don't know, because then the tripod would get fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But. Okay, so you're nervous in chorus. Continue. But I had a solo in eighth grade. And this this kind of ties back into what I chased. Like, just so it makes sense with, like, why I'm doing this. I don't think I explained this properly. I had a solo. It was my last chorus performance because we didn't have it in high school. And it, it was in front of, like, I, th- I think it was, like, 800 thousand people it was, a, it was like the big school assembly type thing uh yeah but it was like the parents it was a big thing yeah. and i step out and i i did it and i felt the most powerful I've, I've felt in my entire life up to that point and like adrenaline i stepped back into the risers no sweat no nothing like as calm what was the song uh it was sinner man actually uh I've been it, it was I've been everywhere, man. We did Center Man too, as just the guys in the chorus. But it was that, what's that, Willie? It Nelson? was literally one line. I, I don't probably. It was one line. If you're going to win a muck a mac with me, you can ride. And this like big dude did the whole like I've been everywhere. He was yeah. like a 30 year old in eighth grade, so he got that part. You you're like like white lightning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, literally, your voice in eighth grade is the same as it was now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That'd> be hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, dude, from that point on I was like I have to f- I have to do this. And that's when I I started playing in high school drumming and playing with like older people in bars and doing my own covers and stuff. But that's how it started. Um So anyways, back to back to now. Jamie left who was helping me. She was like definitely a big influence. And I moved to just now senior year and before i junior year at the end i was walking back from guitar center one day which one fenway yeah and i walked past house of blues and someone was loading in and i was like you know what i could i could do this not not be a load-in guy but play i walked into house of blues and i was like you know I i need an email who do i contact to play here and the white boy hustler yeah and i i thought i was getting the email to play the main stage and I, and I was like you know what I don't think that's possible foundation room yeah so then I got after hounding the heck out of these people for the entire summer I was gone I they finally gave me some house blues dates and I was like this is awesome so once I got that I was able to kind of bounce that around because I've been playing open mics and I played a couple smaller shows in bars and stuff but um I could, I really started to, you know, I've played House of Blues became my line. And that's probably what you said to me first, right? (laughs) Yeah. Wait, so you played the foundation room or the... Yeah, so I did did the foundation room um, probably 15 times in like three months. And... um, Oh, so you were were like kind of a resident. You were cycling it. Yeah, but it was cool because it was on the same nights that these big bands were coming in. So I was like seeing what I was going to be, what I'm becoming now. You know, 
and um, now I've now I've played on the big stage, like the same as the people I was watching. Yeah, you know, I, I was in the same room as Alice in Chains, and just like standing there watching them, and I, I got to meet all these people. And I played the same mic as Passenger, who's got one of the what's big. A, what's the song? Is that Closing Time? No, that's uh, you only know the light on a turn of tone. Oh yeah, only miss the sun when it starts to snow. Only, only know, know you love her when you let her go. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Dude, that song's top twenty all time on streams on YouTube, and um, yeah, like just but being around these people, you're like absorbing the adrenaline that they get when they're playing, and like, you know, he played in the foundation room, and then I did. And just having the same people that watch him watch me, it was just like, is this really happening right now? And it's so weird, right? They say like, and he played before me, so it's like, oh, he opened for Johnny. Just kidding. But <laughs> that would be fire. It's so weird, and I, it's so cliche. <coughs> but I've started to realize like, the more you actually do hang around successful people, the, the more, more you you, the more you start catching wins, man. Yeah, you know. But you, you like absorb their energy and it becomes a part of you and then you start to see your successes. It's just really yeah, weird. It's fucking weird. Yeah. And it's like I've never been on that tip where it's like, yo, energy's everything. You know, like but it's actually it real really shit. is. It's crazy, bro. Dude, so this opportunity arose senior year and Royale. This was after I'd played like three, four shows at House of Blues. For reference, Royale's like a big club. It's on Tremont. Yeah, like 2,000 cap. Yeah, it's a big fucking club. They have a lot of EDMX in there traditionally, sometimes rock acts, and it doubles. Royale doubles as like a nightclub and a performance mm-hmm. stage, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful club. So Yeah, so this kid who's a, who was like a resident DJ there for like the college nights, he went to BU. His name is David. He texted me and was like seeing what I was doing. I was getting some awesome pictures and like having people come out. He's like, this kid can actually pull a little bit, and maybe it would be cool if he could pull the Royale. So, so you're like, bet, David. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, David. You let's stupid do, fuck. <laughs> you believe in me, Dave? <laughs> yeah, you fool, David. <laughs> and and how was? did you pull a nice crowd? So I was 20 at the time. Oh, yeah. What are you, are you 23 now? Yeah. Me too. And that's crazy. This was 2016. Will you feel washed up? No, never. Yeah, don't uh, lie to us, bro. I'm I'm very ripe right now, ready to pop. Um, Pause. <laughs> <laughs> ready, and dude, I I get there, and David goes in. I'm walking behind David, and this big ass dude, like six five, like pedophile, pedophile looking dude with glasses, beady eyed. <laughs> Not to, I won't name names. Because I don't want to get a defamation claim. But the guy says, what's up, Johnny? He's a promoter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he says, can I see your ID? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm performing. Oh, you're 20. Like, I've been on the bill. I told, you know, 200 people to come to this. They're coming. Like, they're coming. Why was he being a prick? I don't know. He's like, I can't let you in. You're 20. And I'm looking at him like. Yeah. (laughs) I have my two photographer. I had a photographer and a videographer because I'm thinking like I knew it was, sh- was going to be sold out. This Big was moment. like yeah, huge photo time, biggest night of my life up to that point of trying to perform. David and I had rehearsed a couple songs, 
And um, the guy is not budging, like refuses to let me in the door. And there's like three, four massive bouncers. The line of people just all staring at me. I'm like, so trash. Holy shit. Yeah. So he just doesn't let me in. And I'm thinking I'm I'm fucked. And he just says no. He says, we'll get you something when you're 21. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to be 21 for... another three months by that time i'm not gonna talk to you because you're a jerk I, oh and and you had already marketed the show like a johnny Glenn yes show. yes i had i what, had just gonna say what and i said so if you had like justin bieber before he was and he's like no i, I wouldn't let him in I was looking at you oh know my god you must have been fucking losing dude it. i was pissed and i kept trying i kept trying i kept trying i was like talking to bouncers when he would go in then i saw him tell the bouncers don't let this kid in whatever you do so then I'm sitting on the sidewalk texting David, like, what the F? David's like, sorry, man. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm really screwed. And, but again, by the grace of God, the own, or these three men in suits come out and are standing on the sidewalk. One's like 60 years old. The other two are a little bit younger, probably in their 40s. And like, I just knew they were higher than he was. They had more leverage. They had, yeah. And um, last chance. Otherwise, we're going home and I'm crying myself to sleep. And I'm going to have to explain to a lot of people why I'm not on the stage. I feel like you're about to cry right now, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I go up to them and I say, you know, if this guy will not let me in, I've been promoting this. This is the biggest night of my life. I'm not 21. I will admit that. But... I've been working my ass off for this. Imagine if I was your son and you were dealing with this guy and I refused to go home. What would you do? And the old guy, I can't remember his name, um, the older guy, he's he's a part owner at Royale, said, you're making me r- feel really bad, son. It's <laughs> <laughs> just some movie shit. <laughs> no, it, it is. Dude, my life is a movie. And um, the younger guy, <laughs> look. They Called look, you son? They look at each other and Jameson, who became my friend, Jameson is great, brings me inside right past. Jameson's owner Royale. Uh, He's he's like the head booker. Um, I think he might be a part owner. Um, I slide right in and past. I'm like right past right past the promoter. And my video guys are like right past me. He walks us right. How, How long? duration wise is the lapse of you sitting outside like sulking like 35 minutes to an hour damn yeah no uh, it that was some grace of god shit because you yeah yeah at a certain point you're like yeah i gotta dip i like yeah. this is humiliating i gotta get yeah. the fuck out of here yeah right? no i i was i was not leaving i was gonna play regardless but it gets better so <laughs> this this is just a showcase kind of my determination on things we're on we're finally on the stage and there's david and I'm like what's up david I made it, man. Like fuck. Like now I'm and now now I'm, now, now I'm, I'm mentally prepared to perform. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like no warm up, no nothing. And you know, clock is coming. I think I was supposed to play like 10:45. And um and I was supposed to have like 15 20 minutes. And but I mean in front of 20 like 2000 people, that's a lot of, you know, good good shooting time. And the um, whole shit was sold out. Yeah, it was full. Damn. Imagine yeah. If Fucking could not get back in. So, wow. Dude, so my time comes, 
I'm not here. I'm not here. I have the mic in my hand. I'm not hearing my music. Not hearing my music. Not hearing the cue. And I go to David on on the stage. I mean, but a DJ is just like, you know, they're not actually like doing much. I mean, yeah. No, not a jab at the DJ, but he's got the lights, so no one can really see him. What's going on? And he shows me his phone, like behind the booth, and it's the promoter texting him, "If you let Johnny on stage, you're gonna be fired." Why? Why did this dude hate your gut so much? Because I was defying him. I broke. Well, his yeah, afterwards, I, I but broke, initially, I'm saying I broke. I broke his control. I get it, but initially, why did he not like you? Was it because a, was it a power dynamic? Or? It was a power thing. Yeah, he's psycho. Um, I actually ended up doing like a little thing with him for the Middle East downstairs. And, um, oh, you're it, turn- show? it turned out to be crazy too. He like tried to cut my set in half after, this? after and this time I brought the entire band. Wait, so- wait, this is after. Yeah. He reached out to me after So Why were you being a simp and you did it? Cause you already know the guy's a fucking lunatic. Well, I, again, I wanted to be at the Middle East downstairs. Yeah. Damn. So Johnny's balls to the wall. <laughs> so, uh. Don't deal with crazy yeah, people. Yeah, no, I, that was the last time I, I messed with him. I thought it was going to change. and um, But anyway, so I, I grabbed David by the chest, and, I'm, and I said, look, you're going to fucking play my song. You're going to play at least one of them. I said, is this the man that you are? And <laughs> I, but th- <laughs> this, dude, this, is, this, is, this dude's cinematic. You're cinematic. This bro. is with. <laughs> this is, Show me the man you are. This is with. This is with the club music going on. And I, I pulled him under the fucking booth and I said, you're going to play this. I play one song. Mike. I play one song. And he got rehired. I got hired for a different gig. And my, my camera guys were like sprinting around and we got like some amazing content. You played one song. Literally one song. And did you market it like it was a Johnny Glenn show or I, I just have a set? A Johnny Glenn show. Damn. So the people are like, this kid's a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't looking good. But then the pictures were like, he looked like a badass, even though I was playing for two minutes and 30 seconds. And we'll take it. We took it. And immediately after, we get off the stage, the three of us, me, the two camera guys, and we like, get the F out of there. And we walk right past him. <laughs> kid, I'm gonna beat the fucking shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what he said? Right home. He, say he didn't say anything. You, you juked him, spin moved him. Yeah. And so and so you snagged Roy out <laughs> gig. Yeah. Hey, hey, wait, listen. Before we continue, um, I have to piss so bad. So I'm gonna hit this real quick, and I'm gonna hit that. But is the story done in summation? I want to make sure we don't leave anyone like yeah, that. That story is good. Okay. Sorry, this is wildly unprofessional, me, but as yeah. Can see, I had about three of these this morning. <laughs> part two, part two. Yeah. So, uh, before I had to jolt to the bathroom. So you booked a Royale shit? So no. So he he just had asked me to play. I you know I w- I wasn't really marketing it properly because I knew it was just gonna be a little set. But obviously, I'm gonna say it's my show to get people to come. For sure. Yeah. But um, after that. We had like amazing photos and op- was that these photos of your hair is blonde? No, so that that was Brighton Music Hall. So that came shortly after. Um, I'm just gonna look it up. Are all these moments documented via Instagram? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Continue though. I'm just but yeah, those those photos opened up a big door. I 
I played a ton of shows and it looked as if I was pulling a lot of people to shows. It's crazy. <laughs> um, it's and effective pe- though. People started believing me. And so then I got added to it. How many people realistically showed up for you that, that Royale night the first time? <laughs> Probably like 50. We'll take that though. I mean, yeah. So then I got, I got added to Brighton show early the next year in February. The shit. Um, yeah, and that's the one I, I sold, like, 300 tickets to. So that was big college audience? So that was big college audience. Did, did, were they at Tavern in the Square beforehand came over? Uh, Yeah, so that is that is when I, you know, I, I'd be in an elevator with people, which we, we talked about, and, like, basically force people to buy tickets. Fire. And um, Tavern in the Square is right across the street. I would go to the line and be like, look, I'm literally playing a show there next week. You need to come. I had actually just broken up with my girlfriend. Um, she was a BU wifey. Oh, we actually—I don't know if I broke up with her. We broke up, and um, mutual. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. And uh, I was—I was still like a heart. I still think about her. Anyone that's currently talking to me, if you're watching this, yes, I st- I still think about her. Um, Whoa, shining like a diamond. And um I don't wanna let you down. Stu Johnny's voice is unbelievable. And anyways, I'm selling tickets and we had broken up and I I look in the effing window and she's talking to some dude and when you're selling tickets, while I'm selling, t- like she had already, she she went to tits, of course, and she n- she never really went to tits while she was with me, of course. The second we break up, she goes to tits, and um, you're pissed. Wait, yeah, wait, so wait, no, no, I'm, I'm not pissed. I'm I started like basically crying, and I went home. So that 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 was the only thing that <laughs> deterred me from selling tickets that night. But um, yeah. Wait, but, she was hooking up with the other dude. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> you're but, pissed. You're but pissed. your imagination does a lot, and um. But I mean, I I was no better, you know. You start you start to get immune to stuff like that, though. I think. Yeah, no. Now, now I don't care. And I, I, for sure, dude. <laughs> no, no. Like just with just with like emotional sh- things like that in general. When you're like 18 to 20, like the dumbest shit matters to you. With with women, and now it's like so much different. It's you, it's crazy. You start to understand the stark differences between dudes and girls. Right? Yeah. It's like you. You don't think the same. Yeah, yeah, and you learn so much. Like, if if I had started dating her now, it'd probably be like so different. And in terms of longevity, I mean, it was still a long relationship. It was two years, but like even whoa, yeah, shining like a diamond. And uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Good things come to those who wait. Okay. We probably should have waited. And uh, but whatever, you learn a lot, and. Um, so this is your senior year, Brighton? Yeah, so we play Brighton, so ton of tickets. Mind you, you're doing homework during this time. How much does that blow? Yeah, it sucks. Terrible. Yeah, it sucks. I, at that point, I was doing the bare minimum. Oh, yeah, um, just, just scraping it, right? Scraping it. Oh, yeah. And um, what else happened? I know we played a couple big shows after that. We played 939. Oh, so that year went on. We played 939. I'm trying to think. Played Middle East downstairs yeah we played middle east downstairs with that crazy promoter then we played 939 played a couple things scattered between there oh, um, so you're around you're, you're but then then i graduated i played um it's like f- 
so after graduation, I played Cafe 939, which we talked about. Great, great Berkeley venue. Um, then I got pulled on to play Royale again, but this time it was with um, 98 Degrees and uh, the Cars uh, guitarist. Fire. And they needed like a, co- a good opener. And, um, and you'll take it. Yeah, so another Royale opportunity. And then played Great Scott, which is a good venue. It was close to where I lived. It's also a Bowery venue. Bowery. Is it Bowery or Crossroads? I think it's Bowery. For reference, that, and I'm going to get an individual from each of these companies, but there are the Middle East from what a lot of people are seeing on the show what I talk about a bunch. The Middle East is, is a novelty. It's completely independent. It's not owned by a huge holding or publishing company. Bowery is like, they own a ton of National. venues. Yeah, they own a ton of venues, but they're all, none of them are like huge. They're all like artistic, mm-hmm. intimate venues. Crossroads, they work at the Paradise Rock Club and also in conjunction with the House of Blues. Yeah. And Crossroads, there's some sort of, Live, Live Nation crossover. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of licensing crossover with Live Nation venues, which are the biggest venues in Massachusetts. Yeah. And the world. Yes. And Live Nation owns Ticketmaster. And they're fucking beasts. Yeah. So. Okay, so you're so you're gigging around. And these aren't, these aren't like little... What he's talking about, these aren't little show gigs. Like, these are the venues in Boston to be performing in. Yeah. Um... What else? And that that was 2018, that that Royale. That was the beginning of 2018. We then I I got lucky enough to be able to do this Spotify. Uh, I can't remember what the hashtag was, but it was a Spotify show um, at the Verb Hotel. They had this summer series, and of the one that I got, Spotify came out, Fire. Um, which was awesome. Um, I th- I think it was it was hashtag Spotify for something. Um, but it was really cool because they they sent email invites out to your followers to con- or your 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 um, Spotify, Spotify followers. followers and these people like drove to the show that I'd never seen and they they drove like like half half an hour plus to come fire um this girl to the Brighton show she came from Maine she drove like 2 hours we she found me on Instagram and we're now we're friends sick um well like I also love the fan verb. fan friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. I also love fucking the verbs. Awesome. Yeah, the verb was awesome. So, so that's one thing I want you to talk about. Um, there's a a subset community in Boston, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because I haven't really connected to it via the show just yet. But there's the Boston Music Awards community, mm-hmm. and you were at, you performed at the Boston Music yeah. Awards. So there's. It's totally disconnected from a lot of shit I've had up here. Right. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like less urban. That and just also some of the the businesses, you know, like I had like Gym 945 up here, all this shit, mm. fucking entrepreneurs and stuff. It just seems like it's this like circle that's kind of unpenetrable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's no shade to anyone on it. Congrats everyone winning their awards and shit. It's sick. I was at the the um nomination party at verb mm. how d- did you initially access this group of people how did that happen they reached out to me and do um, you th- i don't know how they found me or anything they said they they have eyes 
<laughs> whatever that means. Do you think that's mainly because you build up a good rapport with venues in Boston? Yeah, and at that point, I my social media was strong. Um, you know, I I basically played every venue that an independent artist can play in Boston um, without playing House of Blues main stage. You know, without playing like the Orpheum and like you know massive places. TD like Garden. Yeah. Again, well. You, yeah, I basically at, played everywhere. at some point, bro. Like. Yeah. You blow up right you got to do an again issue oh, it's only right yeah yeah <laughs> they pull in big acts over there too they do um I think they had jay balvin or something i know yeah yeah they did i think no they, they had bad bunny bad bunny yeah yeah they had some big people but um yeah i don't i don't know it's just you know i after spoonface it was johnny glenn first from like 2016 or you know 2015 second half brainstorming all the way to to now so it's it's been like four years of non-stop like grinding in boston um and it's gotten to the point where it's probably time to expand just had the la show after playing house of blues and um but yeah i think you just have to like keep keep going with everything bro yeah, you know? but people don't, you know. But you can recognize it from miles away, right? The people that don't. I can. No- I noticed. Well, that that was another interesting thing for me. I don't think I noticed initially because I met you at town, but yeah. At what? Oh wait, we didn't even answer the question about the Boston Music Awards. Can I, I'm oh, sorry, oh yeah, I, I yeah. Want to touch to, back to penetrate on the B- the BMAs. Well, you know, it's the show, like big ups to developing a relevant award show in Boston. They, s- they sold twenty five hundred tickets to that. Yeah, it's crazy. Huge ups, like holy shit! Thank you for, especially the the music market. Thank you for creating a relevant awards. Paul Armstrong. I've tried to reach him. I want to get him up here, bro. He also runs Vanya Land. Yes. Vanya Land wins publication of the year every year. <laughs> That's just hilarious, bro. I do the same shit, but um, how they don't? There's no. There's a clique of artists, I want to say a circle of artists, that are like pure, there's like a purity to their music. Mm. How do you think that crosses over to some of the other rappers and shit I have up here that like, you know, they're making music, the city loves their music, but they're not necessarily, they don't have that sense of affluence. You know what I'm saying? I think they have to, so there, there is that clique of rappers that do have the affluence in Boston. There's Latrell. Latrell. There's Michael Christmas. Oompa. Oompa. So I try to link Oompa too. Um, yeah. You're, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally do. I don't know. Stiz. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know, honestly, how, how you know, the guys are in and out of here. If if they should desire, can get in to that. I, I'm not sure. Um, Weird bond. But I, I think, you know... You have to just, you have to walk into places and command to start playing. What, whether you're a rapper, a country guy, rock guy, pop guy. Adam Hanna, listen. Yeah. No bullshit. <laughs> you have to demand to play. Have you ever played Lansdowne Pub? No. But Fire. I mean, <laughs> you have to play three hours of covers, but. Yeah. At least you're playing. You're, you're playing in front of. People. 500 drunk people. Yeah, we'll take it, bro. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're getting paid to do it. Yeah. That, I've, I've thought about doing that stuff. I I just I did the covers for so long. It was like pain, you know, 
I was doing House of Blues and like before then. Got old, right? Yeah, like three <laughs> hours of covers, multiple nights a week. It's like painful, kind of. How yeah. how ego driven are you? What do you mean? How much of some of the shit you've accomplished, you plan to accomplish, and when you big yourself up, is driven by ego? I think I definitely have an ego, but I th- I think. Every every artist has an ego in some sense. Everyone has an ego. Everyone has an ego. Humans have ego. Yeah, I don't think it's narcissistic. I think it's. I b- and I believe in myself. I believe in myself so much that this is why I'm on this planet. That I am going to accomplish whatever it is in my mind that I'm going to accomplish musically, which is why you know I'm willing to invest in myself so much. You know, I work my ass off and I pay my ass off to, like, get things going. And, um, yeah, that people would look at me like, oh, you p- you put in X dollars as a 22, 23-year-old. And, and they look at me like, I also have student debt. I also, you know, I got to whack. Yeah. But um, I think I think it's a self-belief that I know this is what I'm meant to do. And that's I, stronger than most. That most of the thoughts in your brain all the thoughts in my brain i feel the same way honestly yeah there's that's the, that's nurtured over time though you feel yeah me? it's all it compiles over time mm-hmm. and know what's really sick though because i feel the same way it's like i know i'm gonna i'm gonna reach certain points which are crazy hopefully you and i have a conversation in like six years and we're both on some fucking boss shit you know what i'm saying yeah but you you start along the way even though you're not at a the point you know you want to get to that you start to see that little things are manifesting you know what i'm saying yeah for sure it's awesome but it's weird too because you're like holy shit i knew i was gonna do this shit when i was 16 yeah and i'm not at that apex but i i know i'm mapping there right it's fucking strange bro you believe in predetermination yeah i think or predestination yeah you can manifest anything if you want i mean like do you think that sometimes you were put on this planet and your your road was already paved. Yes. You really think that? Yes. So you, do you think humans don't have control? I think they do. And the, the the area where humans mess up is they don't listen to themselves. And they listen to what mom and dad want, what society wants. Or, and because of that cloudiness, they either have a fear of doing what they know they want based on what people will think of them for sure or based on that cloudiness they don't have the self insight to really look inside themselves and see what they want and one of those two options either creates people like us or creates people like not us we're pursuing things that society would perceive as potentially abnormal as risky yeah, I could fu- also be, you know, it's fire though. No, it is. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's awesome. Um, but I totally b- believe that every person has a set plan of what they can do and can change things. And whether it's as extreme as becoming the president, b- being an artist, being a vet, or whatever it is, I think everyone has something that they're meant to do. And what if you I'll- feel like you're meant to do a bunch of different shit? You gotta make up your mind and focus on one. That's where I differ from you, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like. 
or at least at least get one popping first before you can branch out i think because you don't want to spread yourself too thin it's a fact for sure but i mean there are people that can do it i'm know? saying i'm saying me you'll have a conversation in 10 years and i won't be a music promoter and like you oh thi- no definitely no i know but you think but i've done it before and i've been good at it you know what i'm saying it's just it's interesting i also wonder do you think that do you recognize the blessing it is to to attract and actually start building a foundation for a career of what you want in Boston that's a newborn baby of a city when it comes to entertainment? Yeah. Fire. Sick. Dope. Yeah. Whack. Whack. Because the money isn't popping over yeah, here. Yeah, it is whack. But opportunity is Yeah. dope. Definitely. Yeah, I think it would have been much harder to start in, like, in L.A. or New York. You know, I would never have the pictures I have of myself and video and content and just everything that I've been able to do if I was somewhere else. Even even in Nashville, you know, like, I was just in L.A. for a show, and I, I know I just said that, but, you know, we're socializing in and around, like, meetings and whatever we're doing, and everyone claims to be an artist everyone claims to be an actor director adam was saying too and And everyone's hotter than you right i mean not me but (laughs) but uh they all here you walk in somewhere like last night i was out and i'm like oh i'm an artist people look at you like oh that's awesome you say that out there they roll their eyes at you they're like who the hell do you think you are adam you gotta listen to this shit bro (laughs) i'm telling you i think and i've proposed it and we don't like to talk about things we do before they're actually in motion or getting it done but i think you and adam will link right you're just gonna have to sell him a little harder just because he's being soft and <laughs> you should just be like yo bro let's throw a big show and you will yeah because you will mesh well question though so you graduate from B- bu right mm-hmm. are you like fuck my captive audience is now has now dissipated a little bit it's a little scary. I mean, it's not scary, but it ch- definitely changes. But you learn, like, how to infiltrate that audience. But now I can't, like, go into an elevator and sell people tickets. Same shit with me. I feel you. So are you, after you graduate, like, fuck? It's, it's now been, what, s- no. seven months? Like Since eight? graduation? Yeah. I graduated months? 2017. Oh, word, okay. So it's been a year almost two change. years. Okay. But I graduated 21, so it's younger than... Most people are 22 or 23. Yeah, yeah. You're 23 now. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. Um, Which is weird because there's 22, 23-year-old seniors now. But, like, the maturity level of people after being out of school just skyrockets. You, and like, You think so? I, I think it depends on the people. I don't think so. You don't? I think all my f- – I've seen a lot of PC kids recently. I think uh, everyone's just still – I think everyone's more tapped. Really? I think insecurity is at its like highest for kids. Seriously? Yeah, because it's like okay, that's fuck. Scary. That's scary. Well, you don't you disagree? It's like okay, there's a comfortability that comes with being at school, right? Yeah. Like okay, you know I have a plan every day. This is what this is what the school says is right. This is what my parents say right. But shit, now I'm on my own. Well, this is yeah, dude. This is what's wrong with the world. People can't figure out what they want to do. If they had, I know what I'm gonna do every f and day I wake up because I know what I meant to be. Mm-hmm. If these purpose, pe- yeah. If these people had their purpose locked, which some of them probably do, but a lot of them don't, 
they would not appear the way that they still do as as freshmen. You know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Out of control. But it also, but also takes time. It does take time. Some people are luckier than others to find it earlier because some people get after it earlier. Timing is everything. If you find it late, you know, the, if you want to be an artist when you're 35, it's much harder. Given the market, but I the thing I'm realizing about life, and this sounds so profound, but <laughs> bro, it, if you think positive, man, it just always works out. Dude. It does. It does. And if you keep trying. I think persistence. The man. the way that if these people want to break into like back to your question, which the Boston Music Awards scene is great. If they want to break into that, if they want to break into anything, anybody, it's hard work, which is persistence, determination, kindness. Don't be an ass. And you have to have ta- like at least for us, you have to be talented at what you do. You have to offer something that's that's good. But you can nurture that. Sometimes that, it takes, that, takes time to that find takes it. practice. Talent takes practice. Yeah. Talent is not just talent. But a combination of determination, talent, and being a good person, I think, can get you anywhere. But the the main thing is determination, and people give up. And they they tell themselves that they're going and they're hustling, but they're not. They're telling themselves the wrong thing. And for whatever reason, when they sleep at night, they're thinking in their heads that, I sound like Gary V right now. It's my guy, though. <laughs> I fucking love Gary V, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're thinking in their heads that they're working, but they're not. They're, they're fucking around. And I think the reason that I've been so successful in Boston, and definitely success in Boston is not financial success, trust me. And you know. Yeah, for But sure. successful in the, of being able to play all these things and have a name. And I'm, I know I'm not even successful. I'm not successful to where I want to be. But I know, but I, but when you talk, and same thing when I talk about success, because clearly, from what I'm gathering, is it's something that you care deeply about? Because I do right. too. I'm I f- like need it, man. Like right. it's like just natural ambition. But you're talking about the wins that you have under your belt based on the energy you've allotted for them. Exactly. Yes. All most of my wins have come from you. Don't say no. Back to that Royale story. Back to, I mean, there's many other stories like that. But, I mean, I was raised that way. Like, my mom always says, you know, if you couldn't put the Legos together, I didn't do it for you. You figured it out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, but, you know, you do it until you can, until you do it. And that happens young. So, I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, if everyone can do that but you just have to be honest with yourself and really do it it's practice though too yeah we'll have courage that's hard it's practice shit is hard man yeah. i'm i'm eternally blessed because and again i'm we're talking from the same perspective like we are wildly successful we're not you know what i'm saying we will be but we're not no no we're not at all but you develop well, we have momentum mo- yeah for sure and you and you and you develop a certain mindset at a certain point, you know, that happens with nurture. But when I started doing YouTube videos, right, sketches, you probably have never seen any of them. But I had a, a pop in YouTube page at PC, right? It took me 14 videos to have one. And mind you, I'm writing, directing, acting, editing, everything. Mm-hmm. It took me so much fucking heartache, man. I'll never forget it. Yeah. And mind you, I got addicted to Adderall, bro, because I need. I can't sit down and edit. Like, you know me, I'm fucking tapped. 
I was totally introverted, couldn't talk to anyone. And mind you, at the same time, I'm putting out videos where I'm like wildly social and like being comedic. (laughs) I will never, ever in my life take back all the losses, bro. Like real shit. It makes you so appreciative. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. What What was some some losses that you you've been taking? Like, dude, the social losses. Like, when I first went to school, I you know I go out all the time or whatever. Not all the time, but you'd booze like a college kid. Yeah, and uh, I mean definitely less than most, but still enough. But like when I really started to you know see that I could do this and make this my life and career, I was like you know screw this other stuff, and you know my friends quit. i mean they they were supportive but it wasn't the same just but naturally i wasn't around it's tough for college kids though it is but it's tough to be the college kid that's different yeah for sure so that i think that was like a social and s- friendship loss um but it, people people understood what i had to do but i i felt slightly exiled yeah i did too because I mean, that, you know, you choose what you want. And I chose what I want early. You made sacrifices, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, I don't, re- I mean, I, I don't really care about that. But in the moment, it, it felt slightly isolating. A little FOMO. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A little sure. FOMO. Um, other than that, though, I don't really feel any losses. What? I know exactly when I'm taking losses, bro. What do you mean? Y- you, you say you don't take losses anymore? Or you just... Oh, no. I mean, there's definitely still social, st- financial losses I mean, every I, day. I, you don't think career-wise you take losses now? What do you mean? I mean, you probably, I'm sure you, you get smarter and smarter about how to navigate it, but... Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, f- I, f- I fuck up probably, you know, enough. Yeah, for sure. Bought things I shouldn't have I bought. mean, have, have you released songs that haven't moved the way you wanted? Yeah, yeah, and, you know... And now I'm to the point where I don't want to release anything without having a proper team set. So, but that, that's some shit I also want to talk about. How much of that is just totally rooted out of insecurity? <laughs> Probably, well, not insecurity. Cause I know the songs are great. It's rooted out of, I need to start to make a, a financial return on these because I'm busting my ass, putting a lot of investment into the songs. So it's like, it starts to become a business, yeah. at least for now, because I'm running the business and I'm having to front the money. Have you LLC'd it yet? Yeah, I have my own LLC. Okay, so you can credit. Yeah. That's that's also, I know we've talked about this, but um, BU was good for it. I met some people that helped me to start my own company so that I could have equity investors. Um, Adam, listen. So basically convincing someone to invest in you as if, you know, Imagine if you had invested in Adele before she became Adele. It's yeah, like for sure. Investing in Apple at point zero. Um, I, I think it's if every talented artist had business knowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's just so valuable, man. Yeah. You know, it's just totally just. Dude, you walk into the, any room and you have ten x advantage over anyone else. It's artist wise. Well, and because most most have no idea about anything. Well, we live in a system where it's everything's business, you know. Yeah. 
And that's just a game, bro. It's it's a game it you, you play. <laughs> it's fun though. Yeah. It is. I fucking love it. It's a blast. At but it's something you got to learn, man. Yeah. You know, cuz like that's how, how have you learned that your music can be great? And not even how have you learned, but your music can be great, but you have to know how to sell it. Dude, there's people that release music all the time that goes no. There's hit songs everywhere. What are your numbers? Your Spotify's your biggest following. Yeah. What What do you get on average? Well, I I have like three official singles and then remixes. The singles now have, like, I mean, and th- again, this is nothing. What? Because I know what I'm capable of, but it's a start. Um, hey man, just tell me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think my main. One of the highest is like four hundred fifty thousand streams. Staggering, for Boston. Um, two hundred eighty thousand, and then like one eighty. So what? What did you get deep on the playlists? Is that how so you? So I, I had a. Uh, they're called Sun Pop LLC. You had uh, a they're like a consultant that that was acting as uh, manager and distributor for uh, like six seven month period they helped me with the first two songs but then well and, and so how do you do that you you just reach out to playlist curator say hey listen they, and they do yeah they have relationships um but then i released wasted by myself and it, it's done one hundred eighty thousand with no help so i mean that's good i mean it's not my fear is release a song and it gets like 50 plays has the the negative or the less than a thousand after like a day that's it's it's it's, it's <laughs> it, I I get you. It's also weird. Views are weird, I think. Yeah. You know, it matters so much, but it's tough to get caught up in it, don't you think? Well, when you're putting $3,000 behind a song, it's pretty easy to get caught up in it. I feel you. Cuz there was no financial risk, then you release everything. If it's good. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But we don't release anything if it's not good. That's mm-hmm. that's a fool's mistake. Which I also that's I learned that over this course. Like there's there's songs out now that are decent. While I was in BU, I was just releasing shit. I mean, not shit, but yeah, but you picked that up not time. not fully professional productions, and you know my voice has gotten. I've been going to voice lessons like a lunatic. Where Revere? Yeah, Riviere. The guy. That's the same. Adam, I think Adam goes the same dude, bro. Mark Baxter. Yeah, is it Aerosmith, dude? Yeah. Yeah, you guys go say How crazy is that? Yeah. You guys are just crossing paths now. Yeah, no, that guy's crazy. Um, he said it helped a ton. It does. It's amazing. Um, White lightning. <laughs> Yo, dead ass. When you release that, can I can I use that on yeah, some clips course. and shit? That shit's hard. Yeah. Man, I show it to Jack too. You gotta meet my dude. Who helps me run everything. My buddy. So, okay, what did I miss? I had some good points. Okay, so, also, mind you, Johnny also works. Like, he has to work, correct? Yeah. That's real yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's he's in a bind, and I feel you. You're in a bind where it's like, yo, I'm catching wins at what I like, but holy shit, the money's not fully connecting it, right? Right, but I'm, I, was, I mean, I was working 50, 60 hours a week. At town, yeah, making good, like good enough dough, making dough. 
And also, town was now it. What? Town was also in a, a great spot in the city. Yeah. Now it's closed and kind of sh- pooping my pants a little bit. But um, I gotta find something that equates uh, pretty quick. Um, Sell some drugs, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's what they all do. Link me with some <laughs> some of your guys on the podcast. Yeah, man. Well, the podcast. Not incriminating anybody in the city, but uh, it's a it's a viable business option. <laughs> See it a lot. Revere. Dorchester. Right off the boat in Revere. <laughs> so it's it's just interesting. It's like you've built a brand yourself. Dude, it, artists are not willing to work. I've seen that so many times. Like they will not work. And that's real ego. That is what do you expect if you don't work? You're gonna go broke and then you can't support your music. Or yourself at all. It makes no sense. People It's bi- so easy to just go to like I don't work in finance. I would never do that. But to just go serve or bartend and make two to three hundred dollars a day, that is so easy. And just be nice and like. And also, I don't know if you see this. You, you're you're a creative dude. I feel like you have to segment your time being creative daily. So I think sometimes if you're yeah. working a job like that consistently, it's like okay, I'm just gonna do like busy work for six hours. Then holy shit, I'll hit the studio for two hours, and it'll be probably more effective than just chilling in the studio all day. Oh yeah, for sure. Plus, like. Over time, after you learn your sh- your stuff, like the actual flow of serving or bartending, it's not even a thought. Your brain is like you've dissociated from making the, everybody's drinks. To my mind is actually thinking about what is the next step. What am I going to write about? What give me like you know? It's fire. Yeah. So it's not like sitting in a cubicle where you actually have to focus and like about work. And, and you meet people too, bro. Right. Yeah, I met some awesome people. That have helped through. Yo, Sam Thompson, I'm gonna send you this clip. He said some shits me yesterday, and he's. Re- I think he's fucking playing mind games with me. But he said some shit that was fucked up. He was <laughs> like, "Yo," um, he was like, "I'll read people." He's like, "Sometimes I'll hit people up," and he's fucking me right now. This fucking kid's a sicko. He was like, "Sometimes people hit me up, and me and my boy will act like we don't remember their names, and we'll fuck with them." And I was like. Holy shit. You're a psycho, but that's fucking real shit. What's And what was the point of that? The point is, he's like, I occupy headspace in people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking about it, like, right? I'm talking about him right now, right? He's a smart fuck. So you guys linked up BU? Was there some bad business that I shouldn't discuss on air that happened? Or you guys no, 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 no. Okay. Not at all. But, but the, the relevance is that it's my favorite thing in the city to just meet mad people. Mm-hmm. You you met my you met my uh one of my college buddies the other day. Oh Steve. yeah, Steve. Stevie. Classic character. <laughs> There's a you you also have access to a certain scene in Boston that it's the venue scene that's different. You know what I'm saying? These kids they come up here traditionally and they want to play the Middle East. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They don't have access to Royale or Well, I didn't when I started. I feel you. I started, I but what I'm saying is it's, it's it's almost a different musical world in the city than what the circle that also frequents through here. Well, it, had I frequented here first, I'd probably be in the same circle. Not rap, but at least with exposure. But, like, my first couple... I mean, I played the Middle East Corner. Like, that little... Sh- Who booked you, Lionel? Nah, her name was um, Alyssa. 
Spectre, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I played the Middle East Corner, t- like, two, two, three times. I mean, that, that place, the stage is smaller three. smaller than this table, and you got to fit a drum set and two other guys. No humility. What's right? that? How important is humility? It's very important, but there's a difference. You can't have shame. You should have humility. You you can't have shame. You should be able to pick up a guitar, bring it for everyone in, in here, pick up a boombox and a mic and a backtrack and get your ass out on Newberry Street and start busking. I bust on Newberry Street. I made like two busked. Busked is the verb. B U S K. Yeah. I made two hundred dollars in two hours playing my guitar on a portable speaker. That's hustle. That's that white boy hustle. Dude, people are not willing to do that. I'll, bro, I'll still show up anywhere and give yeah. gear out. Dude, yeah. And it's fun, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, fuck. Because it's an extension of you, you know? For sure. You're it, selling yourself, whether it's your shirt, my song, whatever. You know, and you shouldn't have shame about yourself. And if you believe in yourself enough, it's easy. For sure. We're also caught at an age, I don't know if you ever caught it at BU, but people are so sometimes so deeply insecure that it it can rub off on you. Do you feel that way? Or do you just feel like you're totally trapped in your own head? It did, and then I started to ignore everyone. I feel you. But Energy's crazy, man. It's just like... Dude, dude, energy... Someone has to do a science on it. Dude, you can manifest anything you want. I totally believe that. But one thing I I do believe now... Is that it's it's not gonna happen the way you expected it, right? But it will happen for sure if you fucking it's all you think about and care about and obsess about. Like this show has created so much opportunity for me Mm -hmm. in other shit, and it's because it's all I ever think about, right? Right. End goal. How how private are you about your end goal? Pretty private. I mean, I think it's obvious. For sure, but the 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 specificity of it. What do you mean? Like, I don't really like sharing my end goal because I don't, I don't want to share it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want other people to influence it, think about it. Oh, that's yeah. what he's up to. I'd rather just do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't share. I mean, the you. Uh, what I'm assuming is you want to be one of the biggest artists in the world. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Cool. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> When I mean specificity, I mean like you want to have, you want to be signed with Interscope Records, and you want. I don't care about yet. Oh, would you go fully independent? Probably not. I think as pop, you need a label push, bro. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, there's there's a few that aren't that are very successful, but if you want global, it's it's beneficial for sure. So, this is one thing we talked about, and we can honestly think this this would be fun to talk about. But you, at a certain point, you know, you cycle Boston, right? You know the entertainment market is not fully there. It will be soon. Mm-hmm. So, you're, you'll probably dip out at a certain point. Yeah. And you want to create a resume that shows, hey, this kid has prowess. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a shot. Right. Which I, I think I have now. Like, yeah. But but you want to stack it like crazy, right. right? Stack the deck. For sure. 
So what what do you still have to do in the city? And, and, and are you fully knowledgeable on like how to secure a label contract and like how to do it the correct way? Not fully. Yeah. Um. But it's it's connection based, you know. Yeah, but just don't be on some shit where they hit you with the slave deal, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um. I think the more stacked your deck is, the more leverage you have. Um. But also, even if your deck isn't as stacked as you'd like it to be, I think if you have the songs and they can see what you've done on your own, they can see the potential of what they could do with you, you know? Um, as far as what is left that needs to be done, maybe one more big show. Um, but Th- that's the only thing that excites you about Boss right now, is another big show? As far as stacking the deck, probably. Yeah. So I'm more sold on holy shit, this Boston's a newborn baby and I want to do as much here as I can mm-hmm. than you, I'm assuming. You, 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 like, I'm totally... You want to tap in? No, I'm just totally, in, like, infatuated with, like, where the evolution of the city could go. You're more mm-hmm. like, thank you, Boston, for being my trampoline. Right. Okay. And that's That doesn't say that I can come back here after it takes off and then, you know... We'll have you back, man. Maybe maybe I'll organize the big show, the huge one. <laughs> yeah, but I think the trampoline was Boston, and the f- the landing platform is probably either L.A. or New York. Probably L.A. Isn't it weird that that's like kind of it's, it's cliche as hell though? But after actually experiencing LA, the opportunity, yeah, I mean we wrote eight songs in eight days. But are, are you a little worried about the saturation of the market? Yeah, but I was talking to people out there, and they're like, through you know, through all the people that are saying they're artists or whatever, like the cream does rise, mm-hmm. and the connections there are so real that you know you could meet an A and R who would sign you through a friend, or you know, it's just so getting the deal is the most important. You think off that? N- not the deal, but getting the belief of someone that has distribution power. For sure. I think Which I don't, if that's the deal, then maybe. So you think it's impossible to develop the truly organic fan base as a pop artist? Not impossible. But I think it's very tough to like break in if you don't have some form of a team behind you. I know. You, I mean, like, you, you gig so heavy in Boston, right? Uh, dude, yeah. I mean, the gigging game is so different. You know, a gig looks awesome online. A gig does not necessarily mean that people are going to go buy your album or going to go stream you. For sure, but you're developing direct relationships with people that, that listen to your music. Right. And I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I don't think it's, if you have, it's not as powerful as it used to be. Like, people used to play shows and they'd get signed off their show. Now, if I'm going to play a show, people, I mean, you, you got to be able to fill seats for sure. Yeah. But now, people are coming to shows based on what they're hearing online. So if you can, and that's nationally, if you, I mean, obviously if you have a strong home base, you can fill a show without having that, but you need someone that can get your music in the ears of the masses. And that is what, and then brand is already in place. Then they can, buy your tickets you know i think it's very tough for 
for anyone to do it without having that distribution and it's it's more luck based i'm i'm not in the business of relying on solely luck create your own luck with others that can push you for sure and i think do you ever so you don't worry about like what i'm saying is do you think you fully maximized the boston market is that the way you feel right now i don't think it's fully maximized what if you like you just i know it's it's probably tough to see because like nobody's done it before but what if you were the first pop artist relevant pop artist out of boston in terms of mainstream prowess and it was completely organic grassroots from boston don't you think that'd be more effective than going out and getting a label deal and then fucking shopping around? Yeah, I, th- I mean, you understand what I'm saying, yeah, right? I think it would take more time. For sure. So is it a patience thing? It's not a patience thing, but it's also hard to. I think. So right now, I'm between that that thought, and then the thought of out in a creative city where everyone is doing like writing or whatever. If I have a song, it's all about, it's all about a hit song. Yeah. If you get a hit song, it's game over no matter where you are. So if I can stack my deck and get. So you're looking to pull the pieces together that will produce a hit song. If I can get a hit song in the ears of someone that matters, it's, it's over. And that could happen like that. I think I have a hit song. Can I be honest with you, though, dude? You are one of few people that have come up here. And I say this a lot. It's not shitting on anyone. But you understand the importance of hustle. Mm -hmm. I now know. I'm like, damn. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. So does it really matter to go out there? And and I'm not trying to dissuade you. No, no, no. I think it does. Because no matter how much hustle you have, you have to have the goods, too. The distribution the the song the you know the team and currently that's not in boston um i could you know be with some people in boston be playing shows all the time i f- fuck the show though i mean make yourself as relevant as possible in this city right and i mean like everyone in, every financial head in seaport knows who you are yeah you feel me i'm taking i'm going to take this fucking show to that point like real yeah. shit Fuck everyone, shit. <laughs> but there's a. I just think, and I don't know, so I don't want to seem like I'm being like like negative or pessimistic. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like you have an more of an exposure opportunity in Boston. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my my hesitation is. I am in with people that control the Boston music scene. Do I want to sign with them? It's a money thing. I get it, bro. I totally no, no, no. Do I want to sign with them? As far as hit hustling shows in Boston, I I think I'm currently leveraged that I could be playing the best shows in Boston Every every month. Easily. And I could have taken that opportunity. But then I, I think the game has shifted now more so to distribution. 
which is why I haven't taken some of those those things that have come my way because the record of someone in Boston knowing you know people at Spotify or anywhere that can push you or being able to get distribution through a label I don't think people here can do that and maybe and, and to be honest I trust what you say because I know I'm sure it's all you ever think about you know yeah but I don't know I've, I've you're still a little it. on the fence of it on it right yeah I mean I, I've thought about it and I, you know I could be playing shows as my job like and playing my original music as my job do it bro <laughs> fucking do it no bro, that's a blessing <laughs> holy shit no I know but I'm I'm also thinking large scale and I don't know if these people have the distribution power and I think oh, some of them spread themselves too thin they have rosters that you know buy into one person that you think is a god not a god but <laughs> there it is the ego, the ego. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that's me I'm just saying <laughs> Buy into one person that you know has it, and well, I would make it happen. If I was to buy into someone, I would buy into someone who hustles, bro. Because that's yeah, the, that's exactly. the only thing you can manipulate. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? The only thing you can do on someone is you could work harder. That's pretty much it. Right. So, that's. I thought I was gonna sign with someone in Boston, and it it didn't end up happening because I. You know, I wasn't positive that that person was the best for making my music heard by the masses. And that's what it came down to. It wasn't about the shows. It wasn't about being, you know, I think that's more important to me than, you know, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Side note. Are you, are you positive? Are you looking forward to anything? Yeah. No, because we've had a lot of we've had a lot of we've, introspective talk here. Yeah, we've we've talked about, dude. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Just kidding. I don't care. I do. <laughs> Go fucking Pats, <laughs> brother. The Pats, brother. Um, fucking Carolina just Panthers, kidding. whack. <laughs> yeah. I've always been a Pats fan. Actually, surprisingly, the episode that I just released before you were up here was a uh, a young. It was the arena football team. Oh really? It was cr- awesome episode, man. It was crazy. But there was a dude who uh, won national championships with Cam Newton. Oh really? At yeah. Auburn. At Auburn. So that was. Now he plays arena up here. There's a new arena football team up here. Damn, that's what we should try to do. Is I'll link you with the dude and say you should get a halftime performance. That'd be fire. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be fire, bro. Shining like a diamond. They get good crowds, bro. I mean, I think it's it varies, but I. I'm sure they have games where they lose 5,000 people there, bro. Yeah, I mean, national anthem. Fire. No more halftime performance. Pyro- <laughs> yeah. Pyrotechnics. Flying. Shining like a diamond. It's like a diamond. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so are you positive, looking forward to anything? Actually, why don't you oh, use this chance to, to give them your IG, Twitter plug, all that? Uh, it's just Johnny Glenn. No H, two N's on both. Isn't there an underscore in there? Yeah, but it should just come up. I think. Don't confuse me because I I have to put it in the post production here. So is it Johnny underscore? So Johnny underscore Glenn is Instagram. The Johnny Glenn is Twitter. Johnny Glenn Facebook page. JohnnyGlenn.com has all of these links. Website needs work, bro. 
<laughs> website. You, I cannot believe you have, don't have a logo. Well, that, I think it looks good other than the logo. You need a logo. But other link, than that, I'm going to link you with my guy. Other than that, it's good. And he'll make it quick. He'll make it within two days. You can work with him, whatever. But you need a logo. <laughs> because it, cause when I post this, whatever, at least it's there. Yeah. When you think of Big Bochi, what do you think of? Bochi? Me, Big Bochi. That's you? You think of the deer, bro. Yeah, that's true. That's Derek the fucking deer. Derek the DA. So, okay, so you got your plug off. What's on the way? New single... Yeah, I'm, we have. There's gonna be an EP coming once, once a couple things happen. But um, yeah, we have like three or four songs set on that. I'm gonna get another three or four, and that'll be done. Um, when will that be released? I don't know. Good. If you don't know, don't say anything. Hopefully soon, but I don't know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give Johnny a a plug here. You know, I I'm probably gonna like the music more now because I know that you fucking actually work like a psycho, but. His music is actually really dope. And I don't like pop music. It's like really, really good music that like will... Oh, I got to link you with another person. But will... You'll hear it on the radio, man. It fits on the radio. Like, Thanks, growing man. up, they're gonna. I mean, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have a big fucking song on the radio, man. You know? I And I think initially it's probably going to be feature heavy you're probably gonna have two features on it i think they're gonna be two big industry features on it and then from there man yeah we'll see excited to see make some moves we'll see energy 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 i definitely can, can, can i can i can feel it coming i do too bro like when i feel it for you because i feel like you've probably been slaving at, at it for a while, a while but you can always feel when some dope is about to happen right yeah no i, I feel it do you have you ever have you That's ever been? Exciting. Have you ever been in a space where it's like t- there's too much shit happening at once? No, because I control it. Oh. It it does it does feel that way sometimes. It's a little overwhelming. Controlled but, chaos. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's definitely exciting. Yeah. You need to be exciting, bro. If you're not fucking enthusiastic about shit, you're fucked. Yeah. F'd. F'd in the A. So listen. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. It's going to be a long-ass episode. Yeah, what time do you Two hours. But I think you got... I got here at 10.30. Probably start. Probably start 10.40. Yeah, this is going to be a long one. Cool. (laughs) So listen, I want you to... This is how you start and end them. You say, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Directly after no break, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. Put your sauce on it, because this is how we really individualize the episodes. Wait, is there anything else you want to talk about? You're a good guy, man. Hey, this is Johnny Glenn. This is my golden hour. Smooth. Smooth. Hey. Hey. No, not scratch that one. Nope. I told you. We start, we just keep it rolling, bro. (laughs) Everyone fucks it up, though. Hey, this is Johnny Glenn. This was my golden hour. Subtle and reserved. And you're a good guy, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you're my friend, I.